All right, good morning. Whoa, I wake you up after that. My name is Luke Hedinger, as Stan said. I get to be one of the pastors on staff. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts. We're only, we're only one week in, so college students, we are glad that you're back. You haven't missed a whole lot, so, uh, so, so hopefully you don't feel bad. We're, we're just in Acts chapter 1. Todd started us off last week in, in the beginning of Acts one, just talking about who wrote the book, and, and it, was, it was super awesome because I, I love the beginning of Acts where, where there's just this feeling of like, oh, we're, we're getting into something, right? We're, we're getting ready to go. Jesus is commissioning his disciples. There's, there's all of this, this looking forward, and, and it's just this, this feeling of anticipation, and, and as, we, as we look at where we're at, as, as we finish the, the, the last part of the chapter, I kept thinking about the fact that so much of the time in my life, I feel as though I've spent so much time in kind of this in-between space. I don't know if you guys have, would relate to that. This, this in-between space where it feels as though I'm trying to, I'm either trying to figure out what happened or I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen. Right? Where, where for us, there's times where, um, you know, for me specifically, it's just thinking about the times, I mean, my daughter having a, a double transplant six years ago. And just trying to figure out, like, God, what, what are you doing? Like, what's, what's going on with that? I, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm doing everything that I should. I feel like I'm being faithful to you. And yet, life just keeps throwing us these curveballs. And then, and then we're trying to figure out, well, what's going to happen? Where are we at now? And and what's in the near future, and, and, and even, even outside of medical stuff, I feel like there's, there's times where it's, you know, thinking about jobs or, or just, just changes in life and trying to figure out, God, what, what are you doing? What's going to happen? And, and, and that in-between time can be kind of a time of, of preparation and just, just trying to figure out where are you leading, what's, what's happening. And, and I, don't know if, I don't know about you, but, but I think that there are, Lots of times for, for all of us, I think it's just the human experience where we find ourselves in that in-between time a lot. Where, again, we're trying to figure out maybe, like, okay, what did I just experience? And, or, or you're like, what's going to happen? Maybe there's a lot of pregnant people in here, right? You're in that time. I don't know if you're like, oh, yeah, somebody. You are, right? Or if you're, you're getting ready to graduate or if you're looking at, new, you know, there's, there's this expectation and, and this time of just preparation, and, and yet, for me, lots of times that time, that in-between time, that preparation time, that, that time where I'm trying to figure out what happened, can, can be characterized by a lot of fear. A lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of impatience, if we're honest, right? And yet, here's the thing, I think that for me, most of that comes from just just looking out over, it's almost like a cliff of unknown. Thinking about what happened where it's like, I, I don't know what happened, but thinking about what's, what's out ahead and just, just kind of the unknowns of, of what's, what's going to happen. And yet at the, at the same time, as we look at that, as we look at our passage this morning, I think that when we look out over the unknowns of life, what we need to do is in those times, in those in-between times, we need to lean into what can be known. Right? The things that can be known, the things that, that will bring peace, the things that, that will bring just a, a, a new perspective and new direction to our life. And as we look at the book of Acts this morning, I believe what we see is the disciples in this in-between. And what we see them doing is leaning into what can be known. And what can be known is God himself. 
right? Like, they have just been commissioned. Jesus just told them, go. I mean, if you were here last week, if you weren't, go online, listen to Todd's message. I love it because uh, last week we saw that Jesus is telling them, go, you're going to be my disciples. I have a purpose. I have a plan for your life. And, and if I was them, I'd be like, whoo, yeah, I'm ready, right? And then, and then he gets taken up into heaven. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, if that were, again, we're too familiar with the Bible. Like, that's crazy. Right? Can we just say that? Jesus is talking to him, and then he just gets taken up into heaven. It's like, that doesn't happen every day. And, and the disciples, at the, at the end of that section, it says that they're just, like, staring up into heaven. Right? I would be too. They're just staring up into heaven like, what? What just happened? And all of a sudden, these, these two guys, they kind of tap him on the shoulder, and they're like, why are you still standing here? These, these guys dressed in white robes, they tap on their shoulder. Why are you still standing here? Let's go. And yet what we see is as they're going, they go back to Jerusalem and they start this time of waiting. And this time of, of in-between. And this time of preparation. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. This is kind of the big idea. That if you're taking notes, this is, this is it. If we're to engage the life God has for us. We must engage the person of God. If we're to engage the life God, God requires, then we must engage the person of God. It requires engaging the person for to engage the life. And yet, as we see here in, in, the, in the beginning or the end, end of Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at what does that mean? What's it mean for us to engage the person of God? As we seek to engage the life God has for us. Let's, let's read together. Chapter 1, starting verse 12. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons who was in all about 120, and said, now let's stop there, okay? And said, dot, dot, dot. What we see, first of all, again, they're, they're in this time where it's like, okay, let's go, you know, let's, ah, you just told me, Acts 1-8, you're going to be my witnesses. That's what Jesus tells the disciples, and it's like, woo, you know, and then it's like just this really anticlimactic, you know, like, let's go back to Jerusalem and wait. And yet, what we see here, again, is that waiting is not inactivity. It's, it's a waiting that is just, it's, it's like a, if you've ever been to a roadie, I've been to like tw two before, right? And, and I love, I, I love this, uh, my wife's from Texas, you know, she's like, oh, we always used to do this. And it's so much fun because there's this period of time where the, the cowboy's on the bull or the bronco, or is that what you call them, bronc, bronc, bronc? Yeah, okay. All right, and they're, they're, in, the, they're in the pen, Right? And, and he's got his hand in here, and, and they're like this. And it's just like everybody's on the edge of their seat. Like, oh, man, what's going to happen? That's, that's what we see here. They come together, the 11 disciples, the, the women that were with Jesus during his ministry, and, and uh, the, his mom. His mom's there. I just think that's awesome. It's like, oh, mom's here. That's great. And, and his brothers. Everybody's together, and there's just this expectancy. And they're, they're engaging the person of God. And the first thing that we see as we, as we think about what do we do in this in-between, what do they do in this in-between, is that they are engaging the person of God through community. 
They're engaging God through community. Do you see that? Even Luke says there was 120 people there and all. And I love that because what we see in Luke is just this reminder that he loves details. He's, he's a physician. He's writing this because he wants us to understand what's going on and who's there. And, and, and there's this great, uh, this great group of people in this upper room, the upper room. And the reality is, is that uh, if we're in a time of preparation, preparation does not mean isolation. And yet oftentimes that's what it can mean for us, right? Whether, you, whether you've just went through something or whether you're looking at, at going through something, at times we can withdraw. At times we can, we can use our experience to say, well, I, I don't know, so I'm just going to go my, my own way. But what we see here is they are engaging in community. And, and what I want us to understand as a church and as a people, we were created for community. In, in Genesis, as we went through Genesis, uh, just got done going through that. The first thing that we see in the creation account that God says, well, that's not good. <laughs> what is it? Do you remember? That man is alone. Man's alone. It's not good. We were created for community. And I love it because even our, like what you would call maybe our secular society understands this. I have this up on the screen. Uh, I, was, I was reading about this study written by NBC. And it says this, research dating back to the 1970s suggests people with weaker social networks actually die younger due to any cause than people who have more extensive social networks. They go on, a more recent review of 148 studies concluded that on average having stronger social ties increased likelihood of an individual's overall survival by as much as 50%. So there you go. According to NBC, you want to live longer, get more friends, right? We were created for community. We were created for community. We need to engage God through community. I, I love it because even as we, as we think about where we're at right now in, in our social, um, I don't know, social standing, our cultural um, present right now, we are the most connected society that has ever been on the planet Earth, and we are the most lonely. Uh, um, uh, this, this other uh, study I was reading says, according to a 2017 study in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, the more time you spend on social media, the more socially isolated you feel. Millennials spend nearly six hours a week on social media and report higher levels of loneliness than any other age group. See, we are created for community. We are created to engage God through community. And even as we, as we look through the New Testament, there are, there are 50, uh, I wrote it down here just so I wouldn't forget it, there are 59 one another commandments throughout Scripture. Love one another, encourage one another. All these one another commandments, you can't one another alone, right? You can't do it alone. You can't, you can't be, we are to engage God through community. And we see this played out in different ways, right? I mean, if you've, if you've ever, we see in the New Testament even where Paul is, is ministered to by the community of believers. You see, when we engage God through community, we are engaging this, this, this encouragement uh, circle, this, this community where it's, where it's encouraging and we are engaging in encouragement. Guys, as a person, if you've ever been through, through serious struggles, as a person who, who, you know, there were times where we thought we were going to lose our daughter. And I remember in those times where I felt like, you know what, maybe God isn't who he says he is. And yet there were times in that where, where praise God for my wife, she gave me the encouragement I needed to keep, to keep moving on. The, our community, our people at the time, the, the godly community we were in, they showed us God by bringing 
uh, by just coming together and praying for us and pointing us back to truth and, and just being this encouragement. We need that in those in-between times. Amen? We need to engage God through community, not only that, but, but in those times, we need to be reminded of truth by the community of God. We need to be reminded of truth. I mean, if, if you think about this, this crowd that was here, as we read through the Gospels, if you go back, multiple people saw Jesus do different things in different times in different ways. I mean, I just think about Peter, James, and John who got to see the transfiguration where Jesus on the, on the Mount of Olives, like, he just started shining. And, like, it was, like, brighter. They said brighter than the sun. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like Elijah's there and Moses is there. But they were the only three that got to see that. And Jesus is saying, hey, don't tell anybody about that until after, after I'm raised from the dead. So now what do you think they're talking about? They're, they're saying, oh, man, what about this story and this story? And they're pointing each other back to God. We need that as a community of believers, don't we? Just this past week, I, I had the privilege of walking with a guy that, man, my heart is still praising God for. As I got to walk with him through just his anxiety and fear and and, and just conviction, I got to walk with him and just point him back to truth. Point him back to what does it mean to be a man of God. Point him back to, to what has Jesus told him. I, I got to walk with him discerning what the Holy Spirit was, was doing in his life. And, and I just praise God as he just reports back to me, talking to me about what God's doing in his life and, and how he's being obedient to those different things. And, and that's what we need because we need to engage God first and foremost through community. But, but do you see what else they're doing as they, as they come together, these 120 people? They come together, it says that they were of, of one accord, right? The, in verse 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together, so on and so forth. You see, they were coming together not just to have like a, a Super Bowl party, which praise God, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not a huge Chiefs fan, but anyway, right? It's cool. Right? They're not just together like having a party or whatever. They're coming together and they're like, they're, they're pointing each other back to Jesus by, by just with, with one mind, one accord, engaging God through prayer. See, if we are to engage the life God has for us, then we need to engage God not only through community, but engaging God through prayer. Right? I, I, I mean, if you, if you think about why why are they praying? Why, why is this just like this breaking out into a prayer service, prayer meeting? I think one of the reasons is that that's what they see, saw Jesus do in his earthly ministry. I mean, I have it up on the screen, Luke 6, 12 through 13. It says, in these days he went out, meaning Jesus, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from the twelve whom he named apostles. Jesus, we see throughout Jesus' life that when he was entering into big things, he spent time in prayer. Before his earthly ministry started, what did you see Jesus do? Where did he go? Nobody wants to answer. He went to the wilderness to fast and pray. He, he went into these times when, when he had a heavy day of ministry. It says that he went alone by himself and he just prayed. He just wanted to be with his father. He wanted to align his heart more with what God was doing. Right? He, I, I love, I mean, even before he was crucified, we see Jesus very humanly saying, God, if you can take this cup from me, please take it. But what? Not my will, but your will be done. He is in prayer, aligning his heart more with the heart of his father. 
See, we need to be people who are engaging God in prayer. Not only because we need to align our hearts more with his, but, I mean, if you think about the disciples, what did Jesus tell them in Acts 1-8? I've said it a couple times. What did he tell them? You will be what? My witnesses where? Do you remember? Some of you are like, I have no idea. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. What's the last one? Ends of the earth. Well, where does the earth end? I don't know. You know, it's like, I mean, can you imagine as they go back to pray? They're like, what did he say? I get Jerusalem and Judea. I mean, that's not too far away. But Samaria, I mean, that's a whole different culture. They have, they have different food that I don't really like. They dress weird. They talk funny. And then the ends of the year, how far is that? See, the disciples, their whole experience was contained within about a 68-mile radius up to this point, most likely. It, it was about 65 to 68 miles from Jerusalem to Galilee. And then you factor in a few miles from, you know, they, they cross the, the Sea of Galilee to go into Gennesaret and mess around a little bit. And then they come over and Jesus walk on water and all those different things happened up there. But basically 68 miles. And now Jesus has taken their little box of experience and being like, you know what I'm going to do with that? Boom, I'm blowing it up. Right? He, he just takes their experience and says, I want to do more than what you've experienced so far. It reminds me of when, I, you know, I grew up in Brashear, Missouri, outside of Brashear, Missouri. Uh, Brashear, Missouri, I think the population has gone down to under 200 now. It seems like it just keeps dropping every time I go back home. And, and I remember some of the first times that I went to go drive in a big city. And it just freaked me out. One time, one time when my daughter, she was in Minneapolis in the hospital and, and doing, like, Jax and I were driving around and I was trying to get uh, my wife coffee uh, going into the hospital that morning. And, and, like, there's so many one-ways. If you've ever driven around Minneapolis, it, it's terrifying, especially for a small-town country boy, okay? I, I took this one route. I was going. I was trying to follow GPS, trying to find Starbucks and all this stuff. I turn on this road, and I realize all of a sudden I'm driving on train tracks. <laughs> I'm like, why are there train tracks in the middle of a city, you know? And I just... I was like, ah, and I pulled off up on the sidewalk, and I was like, what? I just had a little mental breakdown right there, downtown Minneapolis. But it's like, that, all I knew was driving around Kirksville, Missouri. All I knew was driving around back roads. See, all these disciples knew was what they had experienced within the 68-mile radius. And then God is saying, Jesus is saying, no, I have bigger plans for you than that. I want to I take your plans, and I'm just going to enlarge them far beyond what you can even comprehend. And what the disciples did was they took that and they said, well, we got to pray then. Man, we, we got to lean into God. We got to engage the person of God because we don't even know what that means. So I love, I was reading this quote by um, this, this guy. I can't remember his name, but he's a, he's a pastor. And he says this, if I'm in a sailboat, I think, I, yeah, if I'm in a sailboat, what role does the wind play in my journey? Without the wind, the journey will be slow and difficult, if not, if not impossible. I need the wind. But just because the wind blows doesn't mean my journey will be easier or quicker. Unless I hoist my sail, the blowing wind does no good. I'm in the right place at the right time, but I'm not ready. The same is true in leadership and ministry to catch the wind of the Spirit. Hoist your sail. Always be ready for the wind to blow. And how do we hoist our sail? Through spiritual disciplines, through a life spent in consistently developing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Curry. 
perfect artist, his name. And you see, what he's saying there is when we are, when we are in this in-between place, looking out over the impossible, looking out over the unknown, what he's saying is hoist your sail, your spiritual discipline, be in prayer, aligning yourself with the heart of God because it's possible that what God wants to do with your life is so much bigger than what you've experienced already. Amen? Amen. See, we go on from there. Not only are they engaging God through community, not only are they engaging God through prayer, but but it says this, and uh, let's let's continue where we left off. Verse sixteen. This is Peter. He stood up and he says, "Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled with the with the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry." Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out, and it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, a keldama, that is field of blood. Let's just stop there, okay? <laughs> uh, if, if, you, if you notice as you're reading, Luke is, is recording these things, he's recording what Peter says, and then in, in uh, verse 18, the quotations stop and the parentheses begin. So Peter, what he does is he's getting up and he's, he's, basically, he's basically saying, this is what we just experienced. So our friend Judas, we, I think sometimes we read the Bible and we just immediately think everybody knew Jesus, Judas was like the bad guy. They didn't know that. They didn't know that Judas was going to betray Jesus. They didn't know from the beginning that Judas with a kiss would, would send their Lord to the cross. I mean, even if you go back and read um, in the Gospels where Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. And they're like, who? Who in the world would it be? Nobody's sitting there saying, Judas, that guy. We all knew it. No, they're not. And he's like, let me take my bread. I'm going to dip it in the cup. And whoever I give this to, that's going to be the one that betrays me. He takes the bread, dips it in the cup, hands it to Judas, and tells Judas, go ahead and go do what you're going to do. Judas gets up, and right from that point, it says Satan enters him, and he goes to, the, to the, uh, the Pharisees. But the disciples, even after Jesus hands Judas the bread, and he says, go do what you're going to do, they're like, well, he must be going to pay somebody. He must be going to take care of the poor. He must be, they, they have no concept that even after Jesus says, this is going to be the one that betrays me, they have no concept that it's Judas. And so now what we see Peter doing is he stands up and he starts to give explanation. And he's saying, this is what we just experienced with our friend Judas. And, and, then, and then Luke kind of puts in parentheses and he, it's this really weird part about Judas buying a field and then falling off a cliff and bursting open. Weird. And, and a lot of people look at this, and we're not going to spend very much time, but a lot of people this, look at this and they say, well, that's, that's contradictory to what Matthew records in Matthew 27, where Judas, he takes his money, the 30 pieces of silver, and he, he throws it into the temple, and he's like, I don't want this anymore. And he goes out and he hangs himself because of his guilt and remorse. So a lot of people look at this and they say, well, that's contradictory to that. And yet what, what I think that what we see here is, again, if you look at Matthew 27, the, the Pharisees, they take that money that Judas gave and they're like, well, we, this is blood money. So they go out and buy a field and they call it the potter's field where, where strangers are buried. And it's, it's known as the field of blood. And if you look at this, I think Luke being a physician, he, it's possible that Judas' body just hangs there. And bodies do weird things as they... You know, it's, we're not going to get into all that. But at some point, falls, bursts open, ugh. 
But Peter, in that, he's trying to, he's trying to, to understand what just happened. And, and by, by doing that, what he says there, in, in, in his understanding, as, as they're trying to figure that out, um, he's, he's going back to Scripture in verse 20. It says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Let's just stop there. You see, what Peter is doing in this is they are en engaging God through Scripture. That's what's happening. They are engaging God through Scripture. He's saying, all right, you, let's, let's try and make sense of what just happened with Judas. And, and in order to make sense of what just happened, he goes back to the word of God. And he says it was written in the Psalms uh, this. And, and we can see that this points to, towards Judas. And what they do there, what they do in this moment is they take solace and comfort in the fact that the God of the Bible is not surprised by what surprises us. Amen? The God of the Bible is not surprised by what surprises us. And they take comfort in that, and they take solace in that, and they see like, oh man, this was written a long time ago. And so we, you know, as we're, as we're trying to figure this out, and as we're trying to make sense of this, we can, take, we can take heart in the fact that God's plan is not being thwarted by the sin of this man. God's plan is transcendent to the sins of, of those around us, even when we're betrayed, even when we experience sickness, even when we experience loss of jobs, even when we, when we experience persecution or, or whatever it might be, we can take comfort and solace that the God that reveals himself through scripture is the God who is not surprised by what surprises us. Not only that, not only do they, do they, do they go to God through that and, and looking through Scripture and, and trying to make sense of what, what has happened, but they make sense of what will happen by saying, well, the, the Psalms say, the Psalms say, let another take his office. What, what, they're, what they're saying is they look around and it's like, okay, 11 disciples are left, 11 of us. Jesus chose how many? 12, right, 12. Why do you think he did that? Do you think it's just because that was his favorite number? Like he had OC, you know, OCD, is it? No, never mind. You know what I'm trying to say. It, it, was he just like everything has to be 12? No, it wasn't that. It's because what we see throughout scripture is that God's plan, God's plan starting in Genesis 12 was to reveal himself to the nations by revealing himself to one man and one family. And that one man and that one family, Abraham, became a, a man with, with 12 sons. And, and as, as you see the narrative progress, which we did through the book of Genesis, you see that one family become 12 tribes, and that those 12 tribes become the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel become the, the, the Jewish people. And that those 12 tribes are representative of what God started back in Genesis 12, and as they're looking around, they're saying, let's, let's have another take his place, because here's the thing, God is continuing his work that he started back here in Genesis 12. God wasn't surprised by Judas leaving. God wasn't surprised by him, by him abandoning us. And God's work and God's plan is going to continue forward. And so what we see there is hope in the God of the Bible 
who is continuing his work even in the midst of our surprise, even in the midst of our in-between as we try and figure out what's happening. I love that. We can take, we can take comfort in that, that God's plan continues. And so as we, even as we look at, what, God, what would you have for us? We can take comfort in the fact if you, if you continue reading the Bible, we see in the very beginning in Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 that God's plans and God's purposes for his name to be glorified in all the earth will come to fruition. And so we can work in victory knowing that what God has planned will happen. And so we can be people who are all about God and never be let down because God didn't fulfill his promises. Amen? Yeah. That's good news. And here's what, I, I love this quote by uh, John Piper. He says, if our roots are not deep down in the firm, settled soil of biblical revelation, it is very likely that our branches will not stretch very high in the sky of God's power. We need to be people who are engaging God, not only in community and prayer, but through the study of his word, so that we can understand who this God is. Amen? Amen. He goes on, and I love it because uh, he says, okay, set, set forth a man. We're, we're supposed to be witnesses. We're, we're supposed to, they're, they're in this time of preparation. They're looking back at what God has done and what he's going to continue to do. And they, they say, let's set forth a, a guy who's been with us from the beginning and even to the resurrection. In verse 23, and they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Mattathias. Can we just stop there? As I was reading through this, this uh, the past few weeks, I just find things in the Bible as humorous. Because what Peter, Peter stands up and what does he say? Set, let's, let's set forth one guy. Let's set forth one guy. What does he get? Two, right? I, have you ever been in that situation where it's like, God, just make it clear? Just make it plain? If you could just, if you could just wake me up in the middle of the night, sitting on the end of my bed and say, go to this university. Take this job, you know, move to this city. God, that would just be so nice. But very rarely do we see God actually doing that, working in that way. See, he sets forward two people, two very good options. Because they say, let's, I mean, it's, it's people that have been with them. It's not just some guy off the street that looks good, right? These are people that have been with them, who are faithful, who, who saw Jesus work. Who, when, when Jesus taught hard things, they stuck around. And so two people are set forward, and then, so, so as it's like, oh, well, I guess we have two options. Verse 24, and they prayed. It, again, don't, don't just rush on. What do they do? They commit their way to the Lord. They engage God again through prayer as, as they, as there's like, okay, well, there's good options here. What do they do? They say, God, you know. God, you, you, have, you, you are the God of the Bible who's not surprised. You're not even surprised by two good options. You're not surprised by multiple job offers. You're not surprised by no job offers, right? You're not surprised by sickness. You're not surprised by any of these things. And they, they pray to God, and they said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Mattathias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. It's, it's funny to me, okay, that's, that's where we're going to stop. It's funny to me because the way I want, okay, the way I want this to read is, um, you know, they pray, they turn aside to go to his own place, end of verse 25, 
And then God said, set aside for me Mattathias, that he shall be numbered. What, is, what does it say, though? They cast lots. What? Guys, I, I think we need to understand, casting lots, this was, a, this was kind of an Old Testament uh, practice. But this, uh, this idea of casting lots, it's basically like um, throwing dice. It's like, well, choose a number, and we're going to throw the dice and see which number comes up. Or it's like drawing straws. Like, they, you know, you've done that before, you know, and it's like, well, pick a straw, longest straw. You know, it's like, it's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that they commit that first. They're like, okay, set aside, guys. Who, here's the criteria. And then, and then they pray to God again. And then it seems as though even in their diligence, even in their prayer, God still does not necessarily make their next step very clear, does he? And so they go to this issue of, uh, they, they go to this place of casting lots. And what I think that we see there, what, what I see there and what I hope that we see there, is if we're to engage the life God has for us, we need to be people who engage God through action. We need to engage God through action, through faithful steps of obedience. Even when, even when God isn't making it clear in our lives. Even when there might be multiple good options, even when we pray and we commit ourselves to the Lord and we get done praying, it's like, God, I still, can you just, why, come on, right? Like, can't you just write it out in the clouds? Can't you just send me a letter? Can't you just make it plain? See, the, the disciples in this, in this period, they have this understanding that if God, if they truly commit themselves to God, then they can take steps of faith knowing that God is not going to lead them where he doesn't want them. Okay, we see the same thing in Proverbs 16, 33. It says, the, the lot is cast into the lap, but its very decision is from the Lord. It's this idea that if, if we commit our path to the Lord, then, then we can take steps of obedience. The, the same mindset is seen in Paul later on in the book of Acts. In, in Acts 16, verses 6 through 10, it says, And they went through the region of Phry uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I don't want us to skip forward and see, well, well, Paul got a clear vision. What I want us to understand is that before Paul got that clear vision, they tried to go into Asia at least three times, two or three times. And they're, they're like, okay, God told me to preach the gospel. So, so let's go here and preach the gospel. And somehow, we don't know how, but they were forbidden to go in. And then they go to another place, and they were forbidden to go in. If it, if it were me, let me just be honest with you. If it were me, I, would just, I think I would just sit down and be like, well, fine then. Fine. If you're not going to make it clear, I'm just going to sit here until you do, until you physically pick me up. You know, it's like I, I think that's where my impatience and my fear, because what if I make a wrong choice? Because obviously if you're not letting me go in, then I made a wrong choice. And, and, but that's not Paul's heart. That's not Paul's mindset. He knows that God has a calling on his life, and so he just, he just keeps making steps of obedience. It's like, well, that door's shut. Guess what? Here's another one. 
oh, <laughs> you know what? That door's shut too. Praise God because he's leading us. Do we ever have that mindset when a door feels like it shuts in our life? It's like, well, praise God because he's leading. Not me. You see, if we are to be people who, who are engaging the life God has for us, we need to be people who are engaging God through steps of faith, through action. Because here's the thing that I absolutely believe. God is a good father. Amen? God is a good father. And how many of us who have children, if your kids come up to you and they say, Dad, I just I want to I be what you're about. I want to do what, whatever you tell me to do, God. I want to do that. How many of us, if our kids come up to us that way, we'd say, <laughs> why don't you go over there and, and pick up rocks? Because <laughs> that's not really what I want you to do. <laughs> How about you go over there? Let's see, let's see if you really do it. How many of us would do that? How many of us would send our kids to places we really don't want them to go and do things we really don't want them to do? How many of us would do that as good fathers? Nobody's raising their hand. That's probably good, right? Instead, if my kids come up to me and they say, Dad, I just want to be where you are. I want to be about what you're about. Then I say, oh, man, let's go. Let's do this. Let's, come on. Let's, i got some work to do over here. Let's go, let's go do this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them to where I want them. Amen? We serve a loving God, a good father. And if we are committing ourselves to him, then he is going to lead us where he wants us, even in times where it feels like it's not clear. And what that means for us is that we are people who commit ourselves to the Lord, who are engaging him through community, who are engaging him through prayer, study of scripture, and people who say, you know what, it's not super clear, but I'm going to take this step because it's what I see right now in front of me, and I want to engage God through action. Because I know that if I take this step and God says, well, no, Luke, not that way, then I'm going to say, okay, God, what about this way? Well, not that way, Luke. Okay, what about this way? Yeah, that's where I want you. Keep walking. Keep moving. We can't be people who are so afraid of making the wrong decision that we never make any decisions for the glory of God. Amen? We serve a God who's a good father. Here's the question. That's, that's what we see again. They're in this in-between place, the disciples. We're about to see some crazy stuff happen, and I'm excited for where the book of Acts is leading us. But as they're in the in-between, I think that we can all say, man, I, I've been there before. I've been in this place where I don't understand what just happened. I don't understand what God wants me to do, so I'm just here. You know, and if that's you this morning, my prayer for you is that we as a church, as, as the body of believers, would would say, okay, I don't know what this in-between looks like, but I'm going to start engaging God. I'm going to lean into community. Maybe, maybe for you, that's the step of going and filling out a connect card and getting in community where people can point you back to, to truth, can encourage you in your, in your spiritual walk. Maybe for you, you need, to, you need to start setting aside times where you're engaging God in prayer, where you're hoisting your sail. You need to stop saying, well, I don't understand the Bible. It doesn't make sense to me then you need to find somebody who can help you. You need to find somebody who can engage with you in Scripture. Let's not be people who say, yeah, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Well, when's the last time you opened it? Well, I don't know where it is. Let's not be people like that, right? 
Let's be people who are, who are being grounded in the word of God because in the word of God, we, we see a God who is not surprised by what surprises us. We see a God who would, who would call us out of, our, out of our little experiences and say, I have so much more for you than what you've experienced so far. Will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you engage with me? I don't know what that means for you this morning. I don't know where you're at, but guys, here's, here's the reality. Is, as we've been talking, even as a church, as a, as a family, as a body of believers, we've been talking about this idea of there are so many people in this city right here who, who are not anywhere praising and worshiping the name of God this morning. Only 12 to 15% of people are anywhere this morning praising God. That's crazy. In a, in a city like this, that's crazy. Where there's so many, that's crazy. And, and again, we've been asking the question, what would it look like for us, for this church family, for this body, to just make a dent in that and just say, we're going to just reach, we, we just want to reach 1% to help them know, love, and obey Jesus. What would that look like? Guys, do you realize that that's around 1,200 people? I don't know about you, but when I say the number, it's like, ugh. Like, I just want to just sit down and rock because I don't know what that, I'm like, God, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means, and I feel like that's scary. But here's the thing. If, if we're not about proclaiming the glory of God in this city, then what are we about? Let's shut the doors. Because we don't want a bigger church. We don't want more to do, but we do want more people praising and worshiping the name of God. Amen? If there are that many people in this city who do not know the hope that we have, then what are we doing as people of God? Amen? We need to engage the person of God so that we can engage the life God has for us. So this morning, I want to ask you, where are you at in this? Are you willing? We're going to have a time of response now. We're going to, as the band comes forward, we're going to take communion. And what we see throughout scripture is that we get to engage the person of God because Jesus Christ has died for us and he has made a way for us to be back in relationship with God. And as we go to these communion tables, there's, there's some set up all around the room. There's gluten-free in the front if you need that. But as we go to these tables, we're going we're gonna to take a piece of the bread, which represents the body of Jesus, which was broken for you, for your sin on the cross. And we're going dip to that, dip that bread in the, in the juice, in the cup, which represents the blood of Jesus, which was poured out for you on your behalf because of your sin. And as we take that, my prayer for you this morning is that that would be, maybe if you haven't been engaging the person of God for a long time, that would be your first step. You say, God, I want to engage you again because I want to engage the life you have for me. And we would take this with thankfulness, knowing that it is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not anything that we have done, that allows us to engage the person of God. Amen? And so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ in here this morning, this is for you. If you have said yes to Jesus, this is for you. And, and guys, tonight, we're going to have a, a, a time of prayer and worship as a church family. I'd encourage you to come back because we just, we just want to engage person of God so as the band plays I'm going to pray for us and just whenever you're ready whenever you're ready I'd encourage you to stand up and let's take communion and let's be people who are engaging the person of God let's pray God I thank you so much for your goodness 
I praise you for your love for us. I praise you for the, the plans that you have for us. I praise you, God, that we can be people who, who are engaging you, and it's because of the, the fact that you love us so much. It's because you loved us first, and you gave your son for us. God, I praise you that, that we can be people who engage you. We can be people who engage you through community and through prayer, through, through the study of your word, and, and God, through, through faithful action because you first took action to redeem us, giving your son for us on the cross. God, I pray that if there are some in here this morning who have never taken those steps, God, who, who, have, never, who have never stepped forward and, 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 and sought to enter into a relationship with you, God, I pray that this morning would be one of those first steps. God, help us to be people who are not, not comfortable with just the, the little things that we've experienced, but God, help us to be people who are leaning hard into you.